write yourself a permission slip to get started. I think you can read a million books. You can listen to a million podcasts, but just taking action and taking that first step is going to be all you need. You're you're not going to fail by reading a book and you need to fail to succeed. And so um, you don't also need anyone. You don't need to wait for someone to tell you to get started. Like just take that action. If you feel it in your gut and in your heart that that's the direction you want to go, then take the leap. Welcome to The In Factor, conversations with entrepreneurs about how they find opportunity, build companies, and overcome failure. I'm Rebecca White, and my guest today is Bailey Floyd, the founder of Bayes Creative, a boutique agency dedicated to enhancing brand visibility and engagement online. Listen in to learn how the cornerstones of her business and personal model, namely values, authenticity, and personal connection have not only helped her clients, but has also put her own company on a rapid growth trajectory. Bailey, thank you for joining me today on The In Factor. Thanks so much for hosting me, Rebecca. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to have you. You're one of our own uh, entrepreneurial startups here in the Tampa Bay area. And I know you've been involved with Embark, uh, another organization accelerator program that that I'm uh, work with as well. And uh, so really excited to dig in and learn more about your story and uh, just happy to, to have the chance to talk to you today. Yeah, I'm excited to share my journey as well. So um, typically uh, I love to start by talking a little bit about your background. Uh, I, I did a little looking around online and I saw that you love to fish. Um, and I'm wondering if you're a Florida girl, if you've grown up in, in, the, in Florida or if this is uh, if you moved here later in life and just kind of how you got to where you are. You have your own boutique uh, public relations and creative agency. Yeah. And I, I want to I want the audience to learn a lot more about that. But how did you get to this point of entrepreneurship, being an entrepreneur? Long, long story. But first, I was born in Texas. I moved to Florida when I was three. So Florida, I say I'm a Floridian, not a Texas, if people ask, a Texan, if people ask. And I grew up in the water, outside, playing sports. So I'm definitely your typical Floridian out on the boat, fishing, um, playing in the sand, playing in the sun. But I got into public relations and social media um, through college, actually. I'm not sure how far back we want to go, but I actually went to school for marine biology. I was obsessed with the ocean since I was a young girl, and I played sports, and all I wanted to do was be a dolphin trainer, as embarrassing that is to say, but that was that was my goal. And I, my first semester quickly learned that was more of a passion than a career path for me. And so I was on my college track team and I started grabbing coffee with all the seniors and I was picking their brain, seeing what their career path was like. And I switched my major to business. So my second semester, I took my first communications class and just really fell in love and was so intrigued by the world of communications and everything I had to offer, especially from a sports angle, because I was so sports focused at the time. 
So I couldn't have like a typical college job because I would wake up super early and I would nanny and then I would hit the weight room and then I would go to class and go to tutoring because I missed a lot of school for my track meets. And then I would go to practice and then I got a job with the San Antonio Spurs in their communications department. So my hours were not typical. They were typically like 6, 7 p.m. to midnight, 1 a.m. And it was one of the best, most amazing jobs I've ever had. I did pre-post game interviews with players and coaches and I would transcribe those interviews and then provide them to all the journalists in the San Antonio area. Um, from there, I graduated. I was in San Antonio at the time. I wanted to move back to Tampa because I wanted to deepen my roots here. And I got a seasonal position with the Outback Bowl. So I was working under the director of communications, Mike Schultz, now the ReliaQuest Bowl. And he really taught me all the basics of PR. So I learned how to write a press release, how to distribute a press release, very traditional PR tactics. But I learned what it took to put on a huge grand event, such as a New Year's Day bowl game. And when I went to end that job, the Lightning and the Tampa Bay Bucks were not hiring in the communications department. And I had just moved back to Tampa and I did not want to leave again. I felt so landlocked in Texas. So I fell into agency life and there I really learned everything about social media. I wasn't allowed to have social media growing up, which is crazy now that I own a boutique social media agency. But I remember my senior year of high school, I created a Facebook page just to stay in touch with my friends. And I put my name as something silly like B-A-Y-L-E-I-G-H for Bailey, thinking my parents wouldn't find me. They instantly found me. Um, but when I got into agency life, I had the opportunity to run some social channels. And I just nerded out over the fact how cool it is that brands have the opportunity to engage directly with their consumers. And from there, I just started listening to all the podcasts I could listen to. I was on every social media channel just so I could learn the ins and outs before I would apply it to any client strategy. And I really grew my love for social um, at that agency at the time. Yeah, th there's several things in there that I really love to love to talk about. What a great story. And, um, you know, sometimes you mentioned that, you know, the jobs that you were looking for weren't available. So you had to create your own path. And mm -hmm. I think that's that's the way a lot of entrepreneurs find their way uh, into entrepreneurship. But I I'm really interested in a comment that you made. You said that you found out that marine biology was more of a passion than a career choice. And I think that's really interesting because, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, well, a lot of times people are uh, assuming that they need to follow their passion into a business and if they want to, you know, or a career. And I think that's a really interesting distinction. I don't know if you have more that you want to add to that, but I think sometimes if we, we are excited and passionate about something, then we try to turn it into a career, it, it sometimes is no longer fun. And maybe that's how we figure it out. But do you have any insight as you look back at that time? Um, do you have any insight into what the factors were that helped you make that determination? I think my parents just always taught me to be very aware of my surroundings. And at the time, 
I was watching all the students who were in the same degree as me and they would go to the library and go above and beyond in class and really dive into all the topics. And I just wasn't doing that. And then I, I felt like a bad student because I, I wanted I wanted to be that student, but I, I just wasn't when I was taking all my biology courses. And it came so easy for me and I was getting good grades, but I just, there was something missing. And I don't, I can't tell you what that was. I just realized that just because the water makes me happy and fishing is my um, source of stress release because you're out there, no one can get to you, like you're not thinking about anything. Um, it didn't mean that that's where my career needed to go at the time. And I think it's crazy that I realized that at such a young age, but I just followed my gut and knew that that wasn't the career path for me, even as scary as it was to make that jump over to like the business path. Yeah. I am yeah. not a numbers oriented girl. I'm very creative. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's just a really interesting question because so many uh, students that I've worked with over the years are, you know, uh, struggle with the idea of, you know, what should I do with my life? What should my career be? What should I study? And they get a lot of, a lot of times the advice is, you know, follow your passion. But I, I think there's something really wise in understanding that it's really valuable to have a, a, a passion that also gives you non-work related release and, and experiences like you're, you're talking about. And that sometimes when you try to turn that into a career, um, it, it just doesn't quite feel right. So uh, kudos to you, yes, for figuring that out at a young age. And, you. and I'm, glad, I'm glad you're back here in Tampa. And um, it's interesting because you went on, I think, to take something else that you were passionate about, sports, and find a way to um, add to that something that um, you, you, know, you were becoming interested in learning about, and that is marketing and public relations. And, and then the, your movement in your move into social media, I think, uh, was very interesting, especially since you weren't allowed to to use social media. <laughs> and social media always ha there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of challenges, right, with social media, especially with young people. And and so your parents may have had some real wisdom around that. But now you're using it as a way for customers to talk directly to to their audience and. So I'm really curious, you know, you know, what have you learned specifically about, um, you know, to anybody that's an entrepreneur out there and they're thinking about, you know, social media and how they can use it most effectively? What are some of the maybe the top three to five tips that you recommend for someone thinking about social media? Do we get on every medium? Do we pick just one? Um, you know, how do we know? what that message needs to be? How long should a message be? Should we go video, audio? I mean, there's so many questions. So I'm just really curious if you have, you know, three three tips or five tips that you always would, would be willing to share that you always give. I think the first thing you kind of just touched on it, but you don't need to spread yourself a mile wide inch deep. I think when you start to try to be on every new platform, you lose your um, target messaging. And so your messaging can get a little sloppy and your audience isn't on every social media platform as much as you want to believe they are. Um, so I would say to really get clear on who your target audience is and the needs that they have and what platforms they're on. Once you do that, you can really 
fill in the gap between your audience's needs and then your product or service and then put your messaging to meet their needs because they're going to relate to it a lot more. I think my next tip would be video. It's thriving on every single platform. And I know it is so hard to talk about yourself and get in front of the camera and be vulnerable, but people are really relating to brands who are able to, to do that right now. And We've seen success with our clients. Um, we work with a travel advisor and we were actually filming her this morning and she was like, oh, I just, I don't want to do this. But when she gets in front of the camera and shares her top travel tips or the top items that she travels with in her bag, people, her engagement goes up by 100, 200, 300% because people have something to relate to. And when you are sharing those videos, I think my third tip would just be to speak from your own perspective and your own experiences rather than telling people what they should be doing. Because once you start pointing a finger, it, it can come across in a way that you may not intend it to, and then using the word you. So if I'm filming a video rather than saying our guest, our customer, if I use the word you, then I'm watching this video and I'm like, oh my gosh, Bailey's speaking directly to me. I'm not thinking about her other 5,000, 10,000 followers who are watching that same video because I feel like she made that video just for me and my needs and helping me fill that gap. So I think those would be my top pieces of advice. And just don't try to be someone on social that you're not in person. Um, you can make mistakes. You don't have to be perfectly buttoned up. It doesn't need to be this highly produced video every single time. People are relating to that more authentic, genuine content right now. And it's it's cool to see brands who are tapping into that and being successful. Yeah, th that's all really great advice. And like your client, I, I find it hard as well. Mm -hmm. There's something a little bit anonymous and, and protective about the audio, but then when you go video, like you said, it makes you more vulnerable. But I, I do hear that a lot from from uh, from my students and from others that they really love the the video. So your parents didn't let you use social media. Are, what do they think about you having a uh, business built on social media? They're so supportive. Um, they are on social media now. My dad has his own company and he'll call me up and ask for tips. And my sister works with me. My younger sister works with me as well. So he'll call us up and ask for fun tips that he can do. And no, they're beyond supportive. I think it's just when you're younger, it's already hard being a teenager growing up and all the opinions. And I think they were just trying to protect us at the time. But I think they also see all the value in it now. Yeah. So are you uh, surprised yourself that you're an entrepreneur? Did you, uh, did, you, did you think that at any point you might do this? Or is this kind of a surprise for you that you found this path? It's such a funny question. Um, I was never that child who would walk around wanting to be like that CEO boss lady. Like I said, I was very, I was super sporty. And so while I didn't, I think sports made me very driven. I know the value um, of hard work and the roller coaster of what it takes to be successful and that your bad days just build up those great days. And um, so no, I never thought I would be in this position, but I am so beyond grateful. And it's funny, the timing of this podcast, because Rebecca, two weeks ago, I was looking for a book on my bookshelf and I came across these journals and I have three or four of them. And they were probably like po 
post-college to about when I launched Bayes two and a half years ago. And they were notes I had taken from podcasts I would listen to and books I would read. And I was like taking all these notes on mindset, how to be a great leader. And at the time I was going to just launch like a side gig and build Wix websites for small businesses in Tampa. And I didn't realize looking back what I was prepping myself for to launch Bayes because I was doing all the foundational work that it took to be an entrepreneur and I was subconsciously doing it. I didn't even realize at the time. Yeah, that's a powerful story because the reality is opportunities are around us all the time, but it's only when we're prepared to take them that we can that we can actually recognize them. And so so um yeah, sometimes sometimes we don't even realize that we're preparing ourselves for what's ahead of us and then we can look back and we can see that. And that that's great and I'm sure reading those journals has reminded you of what this journey has been been about which is something I really like to dig into. So, you know, you decided you were going to start your company and, you know, how did that go? I mean, you know, you wake up one day and you say, okay, I'm going to do this. It doesn't happen overnight. There's a lot of, there's a lot that goes into it. So I'm really curious about how you got started, you know, how you got your first customer and, and, uh, you know, I know that you've been using, uh, you've been a part of Embark and other programs mm -hmm. in Tampa. So talk to us a little bit about the launch and how, how, you know, how you've built your company so far. And what year did you start your company? I launched in June of 2021. So okay. in January of 2021, what kind of sparked all of this is I got married to my high school sweetheart and I... This, sounds, this is going to sound so cheesy, but I promise this is real. I started just thinking about the rest of my life. I was thinking about my career. I was thinking about my values. I'm one of four kids and all of my siblings were having kids. And I had all these opportunities to go on these wonderful fishing trips and go fish in Key West and the Bahamas. And I lacked that flexibility with work. And I loved what I did, but I never wanted to look back and feel like I missed out on like living my life or missed out on these great opportunities or wasn't there for a first birthday for my nephew. And not saying that I don't still miss birthdays, but um, I just, I never wanted to have those regrets. And then April of 2021, I went on a work trip with my husband just three days and that Sunday, our flight home got canceled and I moved all my meetings the next day. I, someone else on the work trip, I asked to borrow their laptop so I could work remote and I made all the adjustments. Then I called my boss and it, you would have thought it was the end of the world. And I just truly did not understand why I couldn't work remote, especially in the post COVID world when I was watching all of these companies have this remote option and to work one day. I was just in tears and I, I truly just didn't understand from the bottom of my heart. And I think I resigned from my company a week or two weeks later. And I am forever grateful for that agency of all the experience they gave me. And they were like family to me. But at the end of the day, my values and where I wanted to take my life just wasn't aligning with my current position. And I remember when I gave notice to the CEO, I even told her like, 
I understand that these are your values and I respect that. And but these are also mine, but it's your company and I can't expect you to change your values just because I'm looking for. Um, And it was kind of that was that and it was a sad ending. But from there, I gave five weeks notice. So it kind of gave myself some time to figure out my next steps. And I was just going to freelance and my goal was to freelance and then find a brand that I really loved working for. And I was going to convince them to hire me. I was going to put a whole deck together and say, this is why you should hire me. Here's the budget for it. And once I started freelancing, um, my husband was like, why don't you just launch your own agency? And so I was like, that's kind of crazy. And then I started just praying about it and thinking about it. And I was like, why, why not? You know, I'm freelancing. So I just created Bayes, a name that I could freelance under. And I didn't overthink the name. I didn't overthink the branding. I didn't overthink the colors. I had a graphic design experience. So I created all of it myself. So it was very affordable for me to do that as well. And I launched in June, two months later. So after that, I was freelancing and in August or September, I joined the Embark Collective Freelance Program, who Allie and Dan lead. They're absolutely wonderful, and they gave me a great foundation for how to find clients, how to niche down, how to figure out your offering, because you shouldn't just be offering every service like I was when I first launched when I was a freelancer, and that really helped me grow my business. Um, I hired my sister in October later that year. She had just had two boys and I just needed some help. And so she was going to work for me until she could find another job. And I was like, great, this is awesome. And so um, that turned into her. She now leads the social team and runs the whole social side. And I just continued to grow my business from there. That's wonderful. And, uh, you know, you talk about some of the resources that we have here in Tampa Bay, and I know cities across the country and in the world actually have similar kinds of resources. Have you found that being, uh, you know, having access to those resources, not just by what you can learn, but also to build your network has been important? Yes, I think you just have to intentionally seek them out. They're not going to fall on your lap. There's not well, if there is one place you can go on how to launch a business, let me know. But I just, I think I blacked that time out of my launch of the nightless hours that I just spent researching on what I needed to do to launch, what I um, needed to have. But once you start searching, yes, like I said, I found Embark and that was very helpful. And if you can find any networking groups or even like volunteer organizations, I think naturally you just find connections that are a great fit for you and find mentors that can, that can help you out. Yeah. That's what, I think that's, that's very, uh, that's, that's really wise. And, and it's a lot of hard work, right? I mean, starting a business and running a, a business is a lot of hard work. You've been, you've been doing this for a couple of years. What, what have been some of your biggest challenges that you've faced? Um, I think, I had a good expectation. My dad launched his business either 2020 or right before 2020. And I really firsthand saw what he went through because it was a very challenging time for him um, being like so close with my dad. But I think for me, some of the challenges has been 
not knowing how to scale. And so I intentionally seeked out a mentor. I found him on Instagram. Actually, I started following him because he was a runner. I'm a runner and small world. He owned a social media agency and he had a mastermind group. And so I reached out to him blindly. He was like, hey, can I join your agency mastermind? And I learned so much from him and he helped me build out the processes to have in place in order to scale my agency. Because at first I was having a really hard time delegating. I No one's going to care about your business as much as you do. And so I had a hard time letting go. But once I had my processes in place, it was easy because I was able to delegate and have steps for them to follow um, that allowed us to grow and scale, but also keep the level of customer service and quality of work the same. I think another thing is just not working 24-7. It's my baby. I don't have kids yet. So I think about bays. I think about client ideas 24-7. If you look at my like notes tab on my phone, I'll stop during runs and I'll like write down quick notes that are ideas I have for clients to share on our next meeting with them. So I think another struggle is just shutting off my brain and knowing when to be present on base, but then also in respect, be present at home with my husband and my family and my friends. Yeah. Yeah. That's such great advice. And I was going to ask you about mentors or role models. And I love that you reached out and found someone to help you. And um, I'm assuming you've had some other role models and mentors along the way. Your dad, for example, uh, mm-hmm. as, as an entrepreneur. Have there, have there been any other people that have been particularly impactful in your career so far? Yeah. Going back to Austin, I do have to say he taught me something life-changing and it is that frustrations are unmet expectations. And I have applied this to my relationships, to my life, to my business, to my employees. And it really has been a game changer for me because when any, anytime anything goes wrong, I look back at myself and how, how can I be better? How could I have explained that better rather than instantly getting frustrated at the situation when at times can be very frustrating? So um, he's been a great mentor for me. I worked with him for a little over a year. And then um, my father-in-law, actually, he he probably doesn't even know that he said this to me, but in April, right before I launched, he, I don't know what we were talking about, but he told me, what's the worst thing that happens? You fail. And I'm just such a matter of fact person when it was broken down that simply to me, that's just a motto that I've personally had the whole time I've run my business is if my business fails, I'm not a failure. And to me, if that's the worst case scenario, at the end of the day, I have my health and but I lose my business, not saying that's happening. It's definitely not the path we're taking right now, but I just, I have so much, um, it grounds me to just go based off of that. that Uh, That's so powerful. So powerful. And, and, uh, you know, in a, in a recent book I wrote, see, do repeat, I have a whole chapter on fear of failure. And in that book, I talk about the history of the word failure. And really, when we look back on it, you know, over the over the last century, really, we've taken that word, which should apply, like you said, to to our actions, perhaps, but not to us as people. And we've turned it into a personal, uh, you know, descriptor. And that's not 
that's not what it should be. So, you know, that's really powerful. And getting, uh, you know, having somebody kind of give you those kinds of uh, guidance that help you frame the challenges that you're facing are really empowering, I think. So good for you. And, um, you know, it's, it's exciting to see uh, someone young and enthusiastic, uh, you know, figuring it out because it, it, there is a lot of learning that goes along uh, so much way for this. Always learning. Yeah. <laughs> Always learning. Absolutely. It's a learning process. Now your, your company is called uh, Bayes Creative and Public Relations, right? Yeah. And so I'm curious about the name. Where did that come from? It's B-A-I-S, right? Yes, Bayes. So like I said, I when I launched, I didn't want to overthink the name. I feel like I've watched so many people get stuck on that branding portion. And I wanted to do something where in Tampa Bay and I was looking at Beta Bay or Bayshore, but every version of the name was taken. And I, again, was on a run one day and I called my dad. And when he picked up the phone, he said, hey, Bayes. And I was like, wow, that's it. I'm going to call it Bayes Creative and Public Relations. So I, looking back, I don't know if that was the best decision, but I just kind of ran with it. And yeah, that's the name. That's it. That's it. Well, you know, uh, <laughs> I, it's interesting because when I was trying to name my book, uh, which is about entrepreneurial mindset, um, I found I found my name on a run. So I had spent a lot of time thinking about it and it came to me when I was out running. So I understand the power of that, that that's kind of how our brain works. So I'm really curious. I want to dig in a little bit to Bay's uh, creative. And I know that authenticity is a big part of it's a core value of of, and you mentioned it already, you mentioned being vulnerable and being authentic. And I'm just curious, what sets you apart? What is your value proposition and what makes what you do different from all the other competitors out there? Yeah, I, I don't think it's one thing we do different. I think it would be a handful that makes us unique because there are other social media agencies who do social media management. There's other local PR agencies who do um, help get you on podcasts or on your local news station. But I think it's the combination of we have our set processes and we don't have a set booklet. So we we work with a lot of brands and because we are boutique, we're able to kind of fill in the gaps on their team. So some clients may just need help with content creation and we're able to do monthly brainstorms and provide them with ideas, but they have the team to execute. And then other teams, they, they don't have anyone. And so we're able to kind of step in and be that social media person on their team and attend their marketing meetings and monthly meetings and do all the things they need. So we really, we have our processes, but we also have, we're flexible with our packages. So we're able to really work with our client and see how we can best support them within the social media and or PR realm. Yeah. How important has sales been to, to the work that you do? Do you find yourself in selling mode a lot? Actually, no. I think most of my growth has been word of mouth. Um, I think I'm finally reaching a point where sales is going to be more of my role as I step into more of like a CEO, CEO role and less in the business and working on the business type of deal. Um, mm -hmm. But I find people on LinkedIn, I reach out to brands and it's come naturally as we continue to niche down into the travel and hospitality space. We have 
more brands seeing the work we're doing. And one of our latest clients, they're like, oh, we saw this video on social and we thought of you and we have the need. So we decided to reach out. And that's just a really healthy reminder that you never know who is watching your posts, whether that's on Instagram or LinkedIn. Um, There's always eyes on what you're doing, even if you have 500 followers or if you have a thousand hundred followers. So um, sales hasn't been a huge focus, but we have exponentially grown year over year. Yeah, well, that that's great. And I think it probably goes back to your whole philosophy about building relationships with your audience and, um, you know, personalizing it and making people feel like they're important. And as they are, every every potential client is important. So, you know, we talked a little bit about your like three tips for being on social media. What about brand building? You know, everybody is thinking about building brand these days, whether you're doing something like podcasts, like I'm doing, or whether you're, you know, I'm a university professor, I have a podcast and a book, but I still have to build a brand, right? To get people to listen to my podcast and read my book. So it's kind of a brand world, right? So what do you recommend for, um, for, for small companies or even individuals who are, who are looking to build a brand? You know, what, what are some of the key pieces of advice that you you would provide? Um, I think I go back to staying true to who you are and who what your product service is, and then writing down like brand pillars. So um, if you were a hotel, for instance, what are those five content buckets each month that you're going to touch on? Is that your rooms, the pool, the spa, the restaurant? So every at the end of every month, your messaging is covering every aspect of the brand and you're you're not leaving something out. Um, with more personal brands, it can be harder, but, uh, exercise that I've done is like writing down 20 things that you feel that your brand represents and then grouping those and grouping those and grouping those until again, you have five, five pillars or five content buckets that you can kind of guide yourself on. And then going back to values, just knowing what your values are and then staying true to them because just because it's valuable to you doesn't mean it needs or is valuable to someone else. And so just getting very clear on your own values and then not letting outside noise impact your own. You know, that uh, that's really great advice. And you mentioned outside noise. It, <laughs> that's a really tough one today, right? It's easy to get distracted by opportunities and ideas. It's also easy to get especially on social, to be misunderstood, I would think. And mm-hmm. um, do, do you have any experiences or stories or suggestions, you know, around that space of, you know, trying to stay focused and not not letting yourself get distracted? Um, two pieces of advice. I think the first is if you're ever following someone who doesn't make you feel good, which I know is super simple to say, but unfollow them. There's no need because every time you see that piece of content or every time you see that person, it's it's just not great for your mental health or the comparison game because no two stories are the same and no two brands are the same, even if you launched at the same time. And then my other piece of advice would be create before you consume. So for every piece of um, like every video you consume, you create three pieces because if you're constantly just consuming, 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 whether that's media, whether that's social media, 
whether that's listening to your friends, um, it's going to be hard when you turn around to then create content for your brand or for yourself. And so that's just a guideline that I live my life by. So for every one piece of content I consume, I try to create or journal or do three other pieces. Yeah, that's that's great advice. Do you do you ever take digital breaks? I do not. Um, <laughs> I'm going to cruise next week, so I'll be forced to. But I don't. I I think I follow people who really fill my cup on social media, and so I I don't get not not that I don't ever play the comparison game. I think that's only natural. But um, I truly try to follow people that inspire me or empower me or educate me or entertain me. So if I do consume social, I'm never left feeling drained or any of those negative emotions that I used to when I didn't set social media boundaries for myself. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, letting the positive in and not spending a lot of time on the negative, right? It kind of sounds like, uh, I think, a good good recipe for staying positive and not letting that bring you down. So we talked a little bit earlier about failure and, you know, the the ability to keep going in the face of challenges and failures is really one of the attributes of an entrepreneurial mindset. And so I'm really curious, did, do you have any, uh, any times in your experience, you know, over the last couple of years that you felt like giving up and, um, you know, wanted to stop or maybe even did you have, have you had any, um, any outcomes that didn't go the way you wanted and you had to dig deep and figure out how to persevere? Do you have any stories or anything to share along that line? I've never wanted to give up. I just don't think that's my personality. But that's not to say I haven't vented to friends or had a hard cry sesh because times have been bad. I had one of my worst days as an entrepreneur about three weeks ago, and it was really, really tough. But I think in those tough times, I just remind myself that I'm not special that bad days happen to every person and it's how you react to the situation at hand that is going to make you a great leader because every great leader has failures or mishaps or errors. And so in those times, I just try to take complete ownership, whether it was my fault or my team's fault. It's my business, so it's my fault. Um, So I try to take complete ownership and then just be very transparent and honest with whatever mistake happened or whatever failure happened. Um, Yeah. And that's kind of how I go. (laughs) That's how I deal with it. Oh, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm guessing that you are able to look at them as learning opportunities as well, because sometimes we learn the most from those experiences. They're often the times we remember the the most. So, And uh, I think you grow the most in those tough moments too, because you're you're forced to make quick decisions. And it's truly a reflection of going back to values, um, going back to your values and how you respond to that. And um, yeah, failure or mistakes or hard days. They only, they only make you stronger. Yeah. I love that when you talk about decision-making, you bring up values because it sounds like that's, that's what you go back to. Decisions have to be made, a lot of decisions, and sometimes very quickly, as you pointed out. Um, and uh, it sounds like you have a value-based decision-making process that you lean on. 
yes, my values and my numbers. A big believer in knowing your numbers. I think I said this earlier, but numbers were not my strength. I'm a, definitely a creative-minded person. And so one of the first things I did was I hired a financial consultant, and she really helps me understand my numbers. So if it's not something that's value-based, um, I can always go to my numbers, and it can be a very quick yes or no. Um, so I think it's also values, but also knowing the numbers that are in the book and what income's coming in and expenses are going out. That's so powerful and so powerful that you recognized that that was a gap in your skill set. So you brought, brought in somebody to fill that gap. Again, being willing, I think, as an entrepreneur to recognize, uh, to have self-awareness, take a look at yourself and, and know when it's time to bring in somebody is very powerful. So I am just so impressed, Bailey. I think you've got a great great future ahead of you. And yeah. I'm really excited to, to hear your story and share it. And, and just, uh, there's just so many things that uh, I know you've learned along the way and, and that you're sharing. So it's, it's, it's a great story and I'm excited to see where you go. What is the, what are the next two to five years look like for, for Bayes? Do you have a plan for that or do you know, what's your strategy for thinking about the future? Well, we have grown a lot quicker than expected. So I am kind of playing catch up with my own goals. But I think for beginning of 2024, it's finding a space that's ours. Right now we're in Hyde House Heights at Armature Works and it is absolutely wonderful. But I would love to have our own space that we could build out a studio, invite clients in and we can film social videos and get a lot more technical with our video work. Um, and then just continue to grow my team. I don't see myself being this 20, 50 person agency, but I would love to be a team of eight or 10 that we can just help serve clients. Um, one of the reasons why I launched an agency and kind of transitioned out of freelancing is as a freelancer, you can only help so many people. It's just you. But as an agency owner, I can multiply the number of brands that we're helping support. And it, it just really fills my cup. And so the more I'm able to grow my team and pour into those eight, 10 individuals and give them everything they need to be successful, I know the better they'll be able to serve our clients to their, to their needs. So I yeah. think those are my two main things, growing my team and then just finding a cute cute space that's ours. <laughs> uh, that's great. Well, I look forward to touching base with you uh, after the new year and, and as you move forward with your plans and hearing about all your success. It's been, it's been a delight to talk to you today, Bailey. I always, um, I always conclude, and you've given us a lot of great tips today, but I always conclude by saying if there's one piece of advice that you could leave with our listeners, knowing that a lot of them are aspiring or you know, early stage uh, or practicing entrepreneurs, what would that be? Write yourself a permission slip to get started. I think you can read a million books. You can listen to a million podcasts, but just taking action and taking that first step is going to be all you need. You're, you're not going to fail by reading a book and you need to fail to succeed. And so um, you don't, also need anyone. You don't need to wait for someone to tell you to get started. Like just take that action. If you feel it in your gut and in your heart that that's the direction you want to go, then take the leap. I love it. I love it. I had another 
gentleman on my podcast. He's a professional juggler and performer out in uh, Las Vegas. And his advice was very similar. He said, don't wait for somebody else to choose you. Choose yourself. So I, I love write a permission slip, choose yourself and just do it. So thank you. Thank you for joining me today. Where can our listeners find you, Bailey, and find Bailey Floyd and, and Bayes Creative? Yes, our online. website is Bayes, B-A-I-S, creative.com. Our Bayes social media is at Bayes Public Relations. And then you can find me on LinkedIn at Bailey Floyd. Thank you for joining me today, Bailey. Thanks so much, Rebecca. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to learn more about entrepreneurship, we would love it if you hit that subscribe button. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of InFactor.